Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to a Snap No Tap podcast. I'm Tony Cicchini, along with the one and only living legend, uh, Joe Cardinal. There's not a lot more that I can say because we all know what you are, Joe. Um, and uh, w- w- what are you? That's a good question. I think that's, again, we always very quickly get into deep philosophical topics here on the podcast and things that can't be answered. Uh, I'd like to think I'm all things to all people. Um, you know, I can be what you need me to be. So I think I'll leave the answer at that. Okay. Well, it's been a uh, very disturbing and stressful week for me uh, personally. So I'd like to start this podcast off by highly recommending to everyone to get trained in in at least CPR. We've talked about this before on the show, but We'll delve into it a bit today. Uh, at least CPR, but preferably CPR and, you know, first aid as well. But definitely get CPR. Um, and uh, we had an episode this week where myself and two other people had to join forces to save a man's life who had a massive heart attack right in front of us, right while we were talking to him talking to him and um uh by the time the well the police arrived first and then two minutes later came the ambulance uh they struggled the the paramedics did a wonderful job uh they they struggled mightily for about a half hour to resuscitate him uh but the initial moments of starting the cpr which we jumped on it immediately once i Bob and I, my friend, my pool playing partner, once I got him down on the, we got him on the ground, um, and CPR was started immediately. And uh, Lori, she uh, was on the phone with 911. And, uh, you know, we just, he wouldn't have made it. If it was anywhere else, if they would have just called 911, he probably would have had, he probably wouldn't have made it. It's the, the first six minutes uh, it took about six or seven minutes before um, somebody arrived. Uh, I'm recording here. Mickey, I'm, I got my buddy here. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, so I highly recommend everybody listening here to take a course. Joe, we course, you went through the whole EMT training. Why don't you talk about it? Well, I mean, yeah, just to reiterate, at a minimum, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm 100% in agreement with you, and you're just as likely, I mean, obviously, people who come to this podcast and come to you for training are thinking in terms of self-defense, but you got to remember, I mean, medical emergencies are just as likely 
you're just as likely to run into that as you are a violent attack. I mean, that's just the other side of the coin. And if you want to be prepared, I mean, it's it's something you have to just like we talk about with, uh, you know, responding to violence. Um, you have to train for this, you know, especially like you said, one of the things I struggle with is um, freezing under pressure. And so I know I have to drill these skills, CPR, uh, any kind of life saving skills. And um, the farther you can take it, the better you'll be prepared. I mean, I'm of the opinion um, that everybody should be EMT trained. It's not that hard. It's a six month. It's a single semester commitment for anybody. Um, and it's, you know, it's affordable and there's, you know, a lot of places, community colleges, you can do that. Um, but at a minimum, like you said, CPR trained, um, especially. Which will not take you six months for CPR training. No, no. CPR is a, is a Saturday. It's just a few yes. hours. Uh, but I'm, I'm going further. I mean, at a minimum, yes, are. that's. That's that's absolutely necessary. And I think it really anybody who's dedicated themselves to long time training for the martial arts should you know, keep, you know, working the other side, uh, being a healer, being ready for those emergencies. And, you know, even in their training, you know, we're, we're choking people and doing things that could, you know, put someone where they're not going to come back out of it. And even though your intention is not to do that. I mean, um, so. Um, so especially if you're going to be an instructor, like if you're going to own a school of a martial arts school where people are practicing violence, um, accidents happen. And, um, you know, knowing how to handle when someone, you know, has severely injured a limb or something like that. There are things you can do that will make that worse and things that you can do that can make that better. Um, and having the supplies around. I mean, people here, we know, we've had a lot of people on the show who deal with weapons and weapons training. I mean, you know, do you carry a tourniquet in your backpack as well? You know, or do you have one nearby if you're training with blades and things? Because you could have a cut that direct pressure uh, doesn't stop that bleeding. And are you ready, prepared with that gear to, to help? Because like you said, I mean, emergency services, it took, you know, even though they did their, their best job, they got, it took several minutes to get there. That if someone's severely bleeding or they don't have a pulse, that could be the difference between life or death or um, and so having those skills and practicing, um, yeah, it, it to me is as valuable and as important as, uh, you know, your self-defense training. Well, let's also add into it. Now, again, the, the, the fire department in, in McHenry could not have done better. They did nothing wrong. So when we say it, it took them six minutes or whatever to get there, that is not saying a complaint. That's just logistics, okay? Right. And Absolutely. people, where you're working out or where you live, um, you have to always factor in all of that. Like, for example, uh, coming up, <clears throat> uh, we don't know exactly when. We've been hearing this for over a year or two. They're going to be tearing up the street, uh, Route 31, where this place was located, where we were at, where we shoot pool. Uh so if 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 there was road construction or heavy traffic or there was something, uh, it could have delayed it. So like if you're in Chicago and you're in a condensed area, you have to realize, yeah, if we, if we, we can't wait for 911. We have to call 911, even if it turns out that we don't need 911. You don't want to waste a moment. Just get on that phone. I think we talked about this on a previous podcast about ways of training and how I, I taught everybody or told everybody on here to just even put a fake 911 number in your phone and practice it. Practice it when you hear a keyword at a restaurant or a bar or wherever you're at to just instantly get, you know, hit that, you know, get used to 
acting quickly. Um, but uh, we don't. Apparently, Rich is going to be okay. We don't know. I don't. None of us have actually talked to him. But there's there's uh, somebody told me yesterday that he may be getting released. Uh, I heard something about I have a pacemaker. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to. I don't know. Uh, none of us will until it's over and done with. But and then to follow that up with Thursday, you know, my my dear friend Andy Diedrich died, uh, and Thursday was the uh, visitation. Yes, uh, Friday was the, the funeral, um, and then this happens on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, it's just been a very crushing for me, a stressful week. Because if anybody knows me, they know that I've I probably set some sort of world record for people dying. I, you know, it's, it's approaching 70 people now since 2012 um, that I've known. And it's just, you know, it just is too much. So I take that, you know, I take it to heart. I mean, I'm, I'm real serious about this shit. But the good news is, <clears throat> oh, this is what I wanted to say too. For those of you who's, who have taken CPR in the past, take it again because, CPR has changed, okay? Uh, I vividly remember when I first learned CPR, and it's totally different now. Uh, you know, they wanted you to keep keep the pumps going 30 seconds and, you know, uh, 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 like going through the, to the tune, staying alive, you know, that kind of rhythm. And, and generally, I heard, well, you would know because you just went through it, they, t- they, they, they don't want you to breathe anymore. Well, they did. The 911 operator on the phone wanted us to breathe, uh, you know, give them mouth to mouth. Uh, so, uh, because he wasn't breathing, he wasn't breathing. There was no pulse. There was nothing. He was, there was nothing. So even if you've done CPR in the past, stay up to date with the new techniques or what, whatever. Uh, that's about all I can say. It, it's, yeah, we talk about defending lives or defending each other or saving. This is saving lives. So please, everybody. Yeah, I, I forgot a couple of things, too. When um, if you're in a larger building, you know, we often talk about, again, self-defense perspective. Where are my exits? How do I get out of here? What are things that can be used as weapons? So you're paying attention to your environment and uh, being conscious of those kind of things. Uh, the other thing you should be looking for uh, before there's an emergency is where is the AED? Uh, that's, you know, that's a lot of these buildings, you can start jumping someone's heart before a EMS arrives. And those machines can actually evaluate and they, they actually have an audio sequence. So when you put the, put, you put the pads on someone's chest and they're, they're designed to kind of give you instructions. There's pictures on them. So when you take them out of the box, it can kind of take you through. You turn the thing on, you put the pads on and it actually assesses the person's heart and 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 I'll tell you, hey, we need to perform a shock and everybody clear and it will start. And a lot of times, um, you know, that is what will save someone's life. Uh, that has to happen if if as instantaneously as doing um, CPR. So if you've got multiple people there, you know, you got to point someone out and say, you, you go get the AED. It's over by here. Go. And then you put the other. You call 911. So you have to take charge and tell people what to do. That's what um, went, that's what went down, you know. Um... And Bob and I leapt into action, and then I told Lori, call 911. Um, the first thing the operator said is, is there an AED? And we, there wasn't one. We don't, we don't have one in this location. <clears throat> it's a small joint. And uh, um, 
yeah, you're right. But they had to shock them three times when the meds came. When the paramedics came, it took three. The third jolt finally got them uh, to come around. So Amazing. it's it's yeah, it's 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 not you know it's you know it's real stressful. Uh, you don't just blow it off, especially when it's we're not we don't do this often. Okay, um, whereas a paramedic may do this weekly or daily, depending on where they're located. But especially when it's a friend of yours too, um, that it happens to. So yeah, it's similar to a flight, a fight, a self defense situation where you know you just gotta put all your emotions away for a while. You just have to lock them up, and then long after after the whole situation's finished, then you can kind of you know decompress. But um, yeah, these are scenarios that you really need to run through uh, and just be prepared. It's all about being prepared. And I'll say this too. I keep just other resources. Obviously, we encourage you to get the official education and take the time. But even before you do that, I mean, after you're watching or listening to this podcast, there are YouTube videos out there that are good, you know, put out by for EMS professionals, training them, simple, you know, and they can take you through a lot of other scenarios because there's a lot of things that can happen to a person. But you can start with the CPR. You can find those things. Like I said, that information is out there, even if you're not officially CPR certified uh and i would encourage yeah, anybody who's interested in uh personal safety or protecting others and helping and uh, it's something to think about but that is out there you know watch one video a day um you know uh ems related that'll be very helpful and it'll you know because like i said um yeah you don't want to be caught with you know not ready for something like that especially with a loved one and it can happen i said <laughs> tony and i are getting older the people we hang out with it's more likely but you never know it just could be someone on the uh, mass transit, you know, we're all out in public. You never know when this can happen. So um, anyways, that's another resource and take advantage of it. Yeah, but nothing will <clears throat> get hands-on training. That's paramount. Um, you know me, I have a love-hate relationship with YouTube because so many videos are bullshit and the, the, on every subject. But more importantly, questions will arise and it's nothing better than to be there with a trained uh, professional, medical professional that can answer any of your questions because after this was over and done with, meaning the next day or, or whatever, a couple of days, people were asking me certain questions, very valid questions. I don't know. You know, like how long do you perform CPR before you give it up? Uh, you know, what what is the average blood oxygen level? How does it, how rapidly does it, de all these questions. <laughs> which you probably, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you know, it's always great if you can have a bunch of questions to ask an expert, you know, um, and yeah, you, this way you become a little bit like a walking encyclopedia, but in teamwork, Joe's right. <clears throat> when somebody starts CPR, let them go through with it. You know, you don't want to start arguing about shit and then, you know, uh, same like in a street fight, you know, just back away. Let me handle this. You know, I, I know what I'm doing here. You know, you don't want somebody else trying to be a hero and screwing shit up. So, but yeah, uh, I just hope the best for him. I don't know when I'll see him um, again, but I mean, I will. I just don't know when, but let's hope for the best. Uh, and yeah, it's just part of life, man. It's stressful. What else is up with you, Joe? Gosh, um, yeah, I don't know. Just getting ready for, got a wedding coming up. 
Hold on, I got some train noise coming in the background here. Uh, so just arranging for family and things and starting to, that's starting to pick up. So that'll be in September. Uh, so mostly like, yeah, family things are all kind of on, on the docket. So, uh, but that's about it. Otherwise trying to enjoy the outdoors. Um, I haven't been out on the bike as much as I would like. I haven't even been on the bike. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I was actually looking back because this has been, we're, we're coming up on three years for this podcast, if you can believe it. So we stopped and started in uh, 2020, the end of August. So within a month really? or so. Yeah. Um, it's kind of shocking. I was just kind of looking through that, kind of doing a retrospective of, of stuff we've done. Because, um, and, and I wanted to kind of like, even if we spend some time just talking about it. So yeah, like three years, uh, this will be the 130th episode. So that's a, that's a lot of content we put out there. Um, obviously, like, thanks. We've had some support. Obviously, Nico and Davina, who was one of the guys who, like, helped us get this thing kicked off. Um, so thanks to his ideas uh, and support that got us started. And we've had other, like, guest uh, people who've uh, joined in as far as hosting. Uh, Martin Witkowski, obviously, Brian Deneve, and Artie Gruba there for a couple months was on before he started getting another job. Um, and yeah, looking over it, we've had 46 different guests. Uh, the biggest return guest was uh, our friend Russell Stutley. So I want to say a big thanks to him uh, for being a big supporter of the show and a big supporter of you. That's um, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, it's kind of cool. We've had all the original Tool and Guy guys, to my knowledge. Uh, I think we might be missing one or two. I think Dave never got on. Yeah, um, but yeah, tons of great, great episodes, great talks. Um, so we've accomplished quite a bit. Um, uh, let me see some of my favorite episodes. Episode 39 was when we talked about Radvan, his history and your, your stories with him. I was really proud of getting that recorded. And episode 79 for people was uh, Lou Thez, where you talked about your relationship with Lou, which I think was great that we've got that recorded. Um, what other things? So at the, the high level, yeah, we've had martial arts from all different kinds of styles. You know, we've had Krav, Hima, Wing Chun, Haiji, Jinkan, JKD. Uh, the tracker school, Salat, Muay Thai, and of course wrestling and BJJ. So we've we've accomplished a lot in three years. So um, yeah, just kind of taking a moment here to look back on what we've done and what we've accomplished. Yeah, and then we've had offbeat stuff like Nico's brother, who was a nine one one operator, and uh, you know we had firefighters that put out forest fires. Uh, you know, uh, we've had EMTs on here. Uh, you know Justin Brown, who's a member of the Tri C program. He's also a firefighter and an EMT. Uh, yeah, we've we've covered a lot. Uh, swimming, Scott, with his tales of being a champion swimmer, and uh, yeah, it's kind of eclectic, I guess you'd say, right? So, um, but yeah, I didn't realize it's been that long. You know, uh, well, you know, Martin says he wants to come. He's out of town right now, but. He'll be gone for a couple of weeks, but he wants to get back on the podcast because he always likes it because he he likes to ask me direct questions about fights or something, um, which is good because then I can give my input on something that's not theoretical that, you know, actually happened because um, you guys keep up with it more than I do. Um, my life is just different than your you guys. It's more hectic and chaotic, and I really don't get an opportunity to watch fights like, you know, and I'm really not interested in doing it at this point, you know, watching it because whatever. 
But uh, yeah, thanks to everybody who's been on, and thanks for everybody who who has supported the us. Yeah, but I will say this: that you know, um, yeah, and again, thanks. There's been a lot of great comments, a lot of positive comments on YouTube, and appreciate that. A lot of good questions. Um, so a lot of yeah fans, but um, you know, again, I just kind of want to make the pitch for the membership site. Um, you know, we take time and effort to do this. There's not just the time for recording and the time, you know, Tony takes to get his hair done and uh, makeup. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, we obviously take time to upload this, and you know, we're, we're not at the level where we can monetize at YouTube yet. So this is not making any income for us, or for Tony, more importantly, for the coach. And if we're going to do things, if we're going to, you know, time is money, and honestly. Uh, to do this service for the community, um, you know, there should be incentive, you know, and it should be, we should be focusing on things that help support coach and help raise money for him. If not through memberships, uh, you know, if that's something we're going to continue, because um, there just hasn't been much of a turnout for the membership site, honestly, which is a little disappointing. Um, but, you know, either that or getting seminars, you know, there's a lot of schools out there. We've touched base with a lot of instructors and, uh, you know, our new students, students will come out and rotate and, and uh, train with coach at his place and uh, try and learn his system and carry it on to the next generation. Um, so besides learning, you know, the best uh, self-defense skills that you can learn to defend yourself, it's also a way of uh, help keeping this alive and supporting the coach. So um, like I said, we've put a lot of work over these last three years and, um, you know, hopefully everybody will show their appreciation for that. Yeah, and it's been a rough time for for all of us. It started during COVID. Um, so did the membership site. So if you sign up for the membership site, some of the original videos that you'll be getting, uh, you know, were filmed here at the house, you know, because everything was shut down. And But as we progressed, you know, there's seminar footage, and there's footage now um, about after the about a year and a half into the membership site, you'll start getting some... Uh, we film monthly uh, new stuff at, at, at gyms um, or at the one gym. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been great. Uh, it's been hard to keep the podcast going with the situation with my mother was um, just a little update on her. I got a phone call yesterday. She fell uh, at the nursing home. Um, it's, it just, I don't have happy stories. So like, I don't, I have never anything positive to say about anything to anyone. It's just my life's just nothing's working out. It's just flushing down the toilet. It's just over and over my health. Um, and you know, that whole, that whole thing, all, all of this, we, but we've tried to keep it going. Um, you know, and it is very difficult. Uh, and unfortunately, and I hate to say this cause I don't want to sound like a televangelist or something, some shit. Um, it takes money. Uh, and I know a lot of people want to train, they say, but, you know, it you have to pay to train. It's It just is that simple. And, you know, I can't make it training one person a month for $60. Nobody can live on a couple hundred dollars a month. Let's just get realistic here. Uh, so um, it everything costs money. And like I try to tell people, let's put it in perspective. If I want to get my car worked on, it's approximately $180 to $200 an hour for labor 
my haircut is $25 for 10 minutes. Okay. It's so, you know, you, you've got to keep everything in perspective through the years and through all this inflation and shit. I've never raised prices on my videos or anything like that. Um, you can get the, what do you call it? The digital downloads instantly. Uh, I haven't raised the prices on my tri C or anything. Uh, I've tried to be as more fair than I probably should have. And I got an email not too long ago, maybe a week ago or whatever. It doesn't matter. Some guy asking me all these questions and, you know, about how much longer am I going to be coaching and shit? Who knows? I I could quit tomorrow. I mean, you don't know. It's all about income. I, I have to eat and I have bills like every human being. We all have bills and I can't make it anymore. I've been living on savings. I can't do it anymore. So um, unless there, there's a turnaround in in people wanting to train, it's just that simple. So that's it. Um, there's nothing more I can say. And anyway, that's it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's and that's maybe the message of this podcast is that you know um, you've got to focus on taking care of you and what take get you going and then takes care of you. And, um, you know, if those people want to train, they know how to reach out to you and they should, um, don't take it for granted, you know, um, because when opportunities rise for you, you may not be available there to train. And like you said, you lost a friend, you almost lost a friend. Well, I did. I lost Andy, but we almost lost Rich. Uh, Rich is 69. It's not like he's super ancient, but you know, he's 10 years older than me. So, uh, you know, you you don't know. But anyway, it's it's like everybody else. Whatever your occupation currently is, you don't want to have to every year get a pay cut, right? And make less and less and less. That's the story of my life. Less and less and less and less and less to the point where you're not making anything. And that's, you know, you would obviously not do that. You'd, you'd quit, you'd change jobs or so on. I don't have that luxury. And unfortunately, at my age and the fact that I spent almost 30 years doing this and it take, took me out of the workforce, uh, nobody's going to hire a guy who's basically 60 years old with, with no uh, applicable skills. Uh, so I've said this before. Do I regret doing this? Absolutely. I should never have done this. I should have just kept it to myself or a couple of friends um, and, and got a real good career going. I could have been pretty much retired by now. But I have to try to focus on the good people that I met, like Joe and so many others through the Tri-C program or through the years that have kept in touch. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I can say that I've, I've made some good friendships, at least. Uh, but another p- part of it is when you train like or coach people like I, I do from all over the world, well, they're located all over the world. So they're, they're not like friends that you could say, hey, come on, let's go have a pizza together Friday night and, you know, uh, or, you know, let's let's hang out and do something. Because some of them live hundreds or thousands of miles away. Um, you know, so there's that detachment to it, too. It's 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 tough. But um, I yeah, I, if I had to do over, I, I wouldn't do it. I would rather have had a more comfortable life with, with money in the bank. But, oh, well, I guess I could be like a Buddhist monk and have complete poverty. I'm, I'm not that far away from that. So if anybody wants to buy me a one-way ticket to Tibet, I'm in, okay? 
Oh, yeah, I'm trying to think what else is going on. Uh, we lost Tony Bennett. Absolutely. I used to sing him, him and Sinatra in karaoke. Did you ever I get had a chance? I had a chance to see both of those. I could have saw Frank Sinatra, but I was playing that night uh, when I, yes, I couldn't go. But Tony Bennett, um, I, I know two people that met him, or met him, I guess you'd say. Uh, one was a good story. One was, a not, was not a good story. But then uh, I did have a chance to see Tony Bennett, but I couldn't because of my mom. Uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't leave her. I couldn't get anybody to watch my mother. So I couldn't see Tony Bennett. And I regret not seeing Frank and I regret not seeing Tony Bennett. Uh, Great guy. Uh, um, He lived a long life. He was almost 97. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's impressive that he did. I never saw him. Never saw him. Where do you rank him as far as is your preference of singers? Well, near the top. I mean, he was great. Uh, you know, I, I like, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be an outlier. Most Italians that I know, like real Italians, they like Dean Martin better than Frank Sinatra. I don't. Uh, I like Frank Sinatra better than Dean Martin. Um, I think Frank's done so many giant hits um you know just so i i have to rank him over tony bennett for that uh but his but tony had a very powerful voice uh there's just like a clump of guys and i don't really say one's better than the other on that the thing with dean martin i didn't like a lot of his songs okay but um but frank sinatra frank darone who I knew personally who passed away, not only an amazing jazz singer, but a phenomenal jazz guitarist and a phenomenal human being. Um, One of my idols, and he was always nice to talk to. Uh, He would call me on the phone and I'd ask him, even though he was a guitarist, I would get tips on, you know, jazz chords and shit. Uh, You know, uh, 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 there's another guy now, Mark Murphy. uh, He passed away. Another brilliant singer. Uh, uh, what, what's the guy? Love Boat. Uh, um, uh, uh, boy, I, I, I can't think of his name now. Jack Jones. He's another great singer. Vic Damone. You can go on and on with a list of great singers, but Tony Bennett is as good as any uh, anybody. He was just a wonderful, wonderful voice. And we, you know, he's silenced now, and that's well, he had Alzheimer's too. Um, what a shame. There, that era is gone, Joe. Yeah, well, at least they're recorded. You know, I mean, that's the one benefit of the modern age is that these these greats, uh, their legacy can live forever. You know, and I think that's one of the advantages of uh, the modern age. You wonder how many people previously, you know, before recording that we we never got to hear out that they're only there and gone. Well, I kind of I don't know if I should share this story, but I think I will. Uh, whatever. No, I guess I won't. But all I can tell you is. Um, Well, I'll put it this way. I'm not going to get into the story, but I will say this. A lot of years ago, I don't know how long, but before I lived, I was still living in Chicago. So 
and uh, my phone broke. I, I my, my cell phone was broken. So I happened to be at Richard's. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Richard's is, it's a classic Italian bar, a dive bar, they call it, Chicago. And uh, I'll make this brief. There was some young lady in a wheelchair. Okay? I didn't know who she was. <clears throat> and she had like a broken leg or something. I don't recall. So I asked my buddy, because I knew everybody in that joint. He used to go there all the time. Who's that? And they told me your name. I'm not going to tell you her name yet. I'm like, come on, who is this? I, that's not a name. What's this, what's this lady's name? They told me the name. I said, all right, you know what? I'm done with you, okay? You're mocking me now. You're making fun of me. If you won't tell me your name, that's fine. But just let's drop it. So I didn't, I didn't talk to her. I didn't say anything to her. So she leaves. But when I got home that night, it was eating at me. So I, I, I had my laptop. I Googled it. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, she's a singer. Turns out it was Lady Gaga. Okay. And when they're telling you Lady Gaga, that's, nobody has a name like that. What's the woman's name? Well, Lady Gaga recorded with Tony Bennett. That's why I bring this up. And, you know, jazz stuff, they did duets. Yeah, it was phenomenal. You know, she can sing her ass off. Lady Gaga can. You betcha. You know, and she's an Italian and shit. So, um, yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's her real name. I'm going to go out on a limb. Yeah, well, like I said, I don't follow that shit, so I don't know that she was in the rock or whatever. I don't even know. I don't really. The only thing I've ever heard of her was some Tony Bennett duets, okay? I'm so out of the loop with shit, I don't know anything. Like the other day, I saw this picture um, of this, man, this woman was a, a flawless fox, and her, and her name is Megan Fox. I'm like, so I asked somebody, who's this Megan Fox? Because I never heard of her. And it's, some woman told me, oh, no, she, you don't want to know anything about her. Okay, well, I'm out of the loop, man. I told you, I live in the 1940s or some shit. Yeah, well, we noticed, like, you're always referencing Julie Newmar. That's about as far as your uh, catalog goes of the... Julie Newmar and Sylvia Lewis, those are the two most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Rita Hayworth, too, but, you know, now you're going way back. But both of the ones I just mentioned are still alive, at least to my knowledge. Sylvia Lewis, I think, is like 92 or something, and Julie Newmar is, you know, late 80s, maybe 90, I don't know. Uh, but there's just something about those two that just, they they knock my eyes. And it's funny because so many women tell me, oh, you you like blondes. No, not really. I mean, it's not like I like blondes. I've dated a lot. I like brunettes. I like them all, but I mean, you know, redheads, it don't matter. But these two are not blondes. They're They're brunettes. Uh, and you know, of course, Rita Hayworth was redhead. Uh, and Jacqueline Smith, who I, I saw, you know, met or whatever, absolutely breathtaking, stunning. You can't breathe around people like this. It's like how people react when they see you. Your, your, your beauty is just your, your, it's just human perfection. People lose their breath. They can't breathe. That's why people need, people need CPR just to be around you. Somebody's got no CPR. Yeah, and that's why it's probably safer that people uh, listen to the podcast instead of just watch it on YouTube because that could be – you can't tell if someone's just walking by and catches a glimpse, there could be problems. So important safety tip. Yeah, we should put a disclaimer in shit. Um, but, no, uh, you know, see, now here I'm going to get on my soapbox. 
because of what happened this week with, you know, with, with Rich and Andy, but life is precious. It just is. It, it's completely, or in Antonio Benetton, you know, I don't care if he was 96 years old. Um, you, you know, it's just precious. And you'll always wish, now none of us personally knew Tony, but you ha- you may have somebody in your life that's 90 years old or more. And, uh, you know, once they're gone, eventually you'll say, you know, I should have asked them this, or I don't know that, or, you know, it, it's really precious. T- time is precious. And just, you know, just know that, you know, I mean, there's people that have, that have been so close to me that are gone now. And I think of all of them, Kevin, you know, everybody, uh, uncle Vinny, uh, they're, they're, they're gone. And, and, you know, I, I could use them all right now. I could use those guys. I, I really could. I don't think my problems would be that bad without if, if even, you know, if they were alive. So, you know, touch base with everybody is, I guess what is what I'm saying. That's my advice. Yeah, definitely. It's it's way too easy to get in the habit uh, and just kind of tune out and look at your phone or watch TV and not make the effort. That's one of the things I, I struggle with as far as being good and staying in contact with people. Um, yeah, it's just you got to be deliberate about it. Well, let's get back to Richards a minute and lighthearted because one day all, all you, a lot of you people know Vince. He's on my Foundations of the Jab video and, you know, friend. And right next door to Richard's is La Scarola, which is an am- amazing Italian restaurant, okay? And countless celebrities went to La Scarola, countless, okay? As famous as you can be. And I wasn't at Richard's this day, but Vince was standing, it gets packed at Richard's. But La Scarola, sometimes, you know, you can, they'll send you over to Richard's because it's right next door to wait for the table. You know, because La Scarola is a real small restaurant. And uh, so somebody puts his arm on the back of Vince's shoulder, turns around, it's Burt Reynolds, Smokey and the Bandit and all of that jazz. And so Vince got to meet Burt Reynolds. And then another celebrity that actually goes there whenever he's in town is Larry Minetti, who was who played uh, Rick on um, Magnum P.I., because Larry Menetti's from the neighborhood, so he knows Bobby, the owner. Uh, they're friends, so Larry Menetti's on there. I used to know this actor there. He passed away, uh, Ross Alexander, but his state his acting name was Alex Ross, and Alex Ross was in. Uh, well, I call him Ross. We all called him Ross because, but Ross was in a lot of. Uh, he was like a character actor in a lot of movies. He looked like your typical mafia Don, although he wasn't actually Italian. I think he was Armenian or or, 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 or Albanian. I forgot now. But he was in like The Color of Money. He played a bartender. He was in a, uh, that out for, uh, above the law with uh, Seagal and shit. And because Alex Ross, Alex Ross, Ross Alexander, he lived around there, you know. And uh, so he was in a lot of Chicago movies. Okay, so if they needed a a character like a bartender or something like a mob thing, um, you know, he'd, you know, they he'd be in the in the movies. So, yeah, he used to go there. Uh, There's a couple. There's some more celebrities. I can't recall them all. Um, There was. One lady. And again, with my memory, uh, I'm forgetting her name now. 
and it'll come to me once the podcast is over. But she was at the place. I really, I, I had to write her a note because it was so loud and so crowded. Bartenders passing notes back and forth. Um, and she's very famous, was very famous. And I knew her first from, she was Archie Bunker's girlfriend in All in the Family. Archie fell, kind of had a little fling thing, cheated on Edith, um, but she was the waitress. And then I guess later on, she appeared on Archie Bunker's place. But she's had a long storied career, Broadway and movies. Uh, Janet, Janice Page, that's her name. Um, and uh, yeah, I got to see her. And then uh, some burlesque women, I don't know who they are, but they're pretty well known in the burlesque world, believe it or not. They would come in there. I haven't been to Richards in a while, a couple of years. I, I, I should, it's far, it's far for me to drive now, you know, but um, have you ever been there? No, I was going to ask, where is it at? Uh, you know, the old neighborhood, Grand and Ogden, you know, mm-hmm. Grand and Halstead, where, you know, it triangulates. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they call that West Town or Old West or whatever. Uh, not Old West, but like I think West Town. As a matter of fact, right down the street is Bellanote Restaurant. They're shutting down. Uh, that's one Italian restaurant and it was never I was never in. And Bellanote is one of the oldest Italian restaurants in Chicago. They're closing because of lack of business. Here we go again. And crime. And they're they're moving though to Downers Grove. So you'll get to taste it because you're not far from Downers. Um but yeah, no, Richard's just right there. Right on the corner, it's a triangle. And Emmett's is there. Now they used to film in Emmett's, like Chicago Fire or one of those local shows or local, you know, TV shows. And I've been to Emmett's. It's an Irish bar. I've been in there a couple of times. But yeah, I, 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 I'm an Italian. I go next door. I go to Richard's. Um, yeah. Uh, you should check it out. Yeah, definitely. I don't, yeah, I think you've mentioned it a couple of times on here and I haven't been. So Mark, do- Martin's been there. Uh, Costa's been there. Paul Dodds, when he came to train, I took him there. Uh, Paolo Giordani, I took him there. Obviously, he's from Italy or, you know, Italian. I took him there. Um, probably other guys, too. I don't recall. Bill Superfoot Wallace, he was there. I told him to meet me there uh, when he was in town. Good place. <clears throat> um, cast of characters in there for sure. But I haven't been there in a long time. Things may have changed. Did you have any, uh, like, regular Mexican joints you'd go to? I mean, to eat? Yeah. Well, Taco Burrito King, you know, in Chicago, that's like a chain, uh, local chain. I, I I recommend them. That's not fine dining, but, you know, it's good. Uh, but as far as sit-down Mexican places, um, oh, what was that one? Uh, there was one on Harlem closer to North Avenue, but not quite. So just a few blocks north of North Avenue on the right right hand uh on the east side of the street, the Chicago side, the other side is Elmwood Park. Um and I, I can't believe I don't remember the name of it. Maria uh Maria's maybe or something. I, I just forgot now. Um very good, nice cocktail lounge. <clears throat> A lot of people want to would like to go there. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was good. Um but I don't eat a lot of Mexican food, so I mean, I'm more into the uh, European, you know, 
Polish, German, Italian, and of course, Asian. I, I love Thai food, Filipino food, Korea, Korean food, Chinese, um, New Star. I highly recommend New Star in Elmwood Park for Asian food, believe me. And uh, I used to go to Sansu Gapsan on uh, Western <clears throat> near Foster or something, not far from Lincoln Square uh, for, you know, you cook at the table, Korean barbecue, you know, bulgogi and things like that, um, steak tartare. Good stuff, pal. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, but Italian's my favorite, I think, followed by Mexican, probably number two. And then, like you mentioned, Thai. I think Thai is my favorite of the Asian cuisine. Maybe Indian, too. I have a few things that I really like with Indian food, my go-tos. Well, bear in mind, too, <clears throat> you just heard me mention Bellinote closing. A lot of my restaurants are long gone, pre-COVID even, okay? Can't blame blame it on COVID. Uh, Old Warsaw is gone. Chicago Brow House is gone. Um, Mirabelle is gone. You know, these are play, uh, the uh, Zun Deutsch, Zun Ek Deutsch. Uh, uh, that's gone. So, you know, these places just, it's a shame. Stata Polska, which used to be on Belmont, Polish restaurant, that's gone. Um, and that's been gone for many years. And that that heartens me because we're becoming, I don't know, I don't know the right term. I'll use gentrified or whatever. I, I don't know if that's the right word. But we're becoming a repetition strip mall world, okay? Everything is strip malls now. Everything is, you know, uh, Quiznos and, you know, McDonald's and, you know, Applebee's and shit. Uh, these homegrown, and this is everywhere, not just rural is really bad. I mean, there's nothing out here that's home cooking. It's it's all chain restaurants and fast food shit. But even parts of the city are becoming like that. You know, you'll just see a block of great clips and, you know, this and that. And, and then a mile later, the same shit repeats. It's like you're on Groundhog Day. Okay. It's just a, everywhere. It's becoming just, just so commercialized. And we're losing that mom and pop or that family thing. At least that's what I've noticed. And I don't like it. I had a coworker from, I don't know if he was Russian or Ukrainian or he was Eastern Europe, but he migrated here. Um, this is probably f at least 15 years ago, but he kind of made that observation about uh, one of the things he lamented about leaving Europe and coming to the U.S. was how homogenous our culture was. And that was even back then, kind of the thing that, you know, everything was, you know, you know he said he used to be back in you know, the old country. There was one place that could do one thing in a certain way. And you had to go to that place. It was unique for that. But it just he was observing from the outside the trend, I think, that you're mentioning now, that I think it's finally kind of even the local, the natives are realizing it. That, yeah, I mean, and it's just unfortunately maybe the the trend of uh, the economics that, you know, it's kind of hard. And, I mean, especially when it comes to restaurant businesses, they're, they're, they're notoriously tough to stay open. But when you're competing against large corporate entities um you know it's almost impossible i would think and so that unfortunately yeah hopefully there'll be a an effort i mean there's a lot of like 
eat local and having little boutique places and there's trendy places that so hopefully there'll be some pushback against that trend um but well maybe in the cities but out here a rural I'm, i can't speak for the whole united states naturally but i just don't see like you mentioned the money there it's there's you can't compete um there's a breakfast restaurant well it wasn't always a breakfast restaurant out here and, and they used to serve breakfast lunch and dinner and I went there once for breakfast and once for fish fry. So obviously I went for breakfast and I went for a dinner. But about eight, nine months ago or whatever it was, they quit the dinners. They shut down at three. You know, uh, another place opened up here that had, I thought, pretty good euros and stuff. They didn't make it. They only lasted like nine months uh, or maybe a year. They're gone. Uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's tough. It's like with me, I can't make it. I can't make a business living teaching this stuff. Nobody wants to pay. Nobody wants to show up. So um, it's hard. And I know in the case of like, well, Ambrosio's, which was my favorite Italian restaurant, um, the owners sold out. They were old, and they sold out to the cook. And, uh, you know, um, it, it just didn't make it. It's a Mexican restaurant now. Uh, there was also another phenomenal restaurant for great steaks, um, called Arbor Inn on Belmont and uncle Vinny and I used to go there quite regularly, like once every couple weeks. And he finally retired after 30 years, sold it to somebody who, you know, just wanted to change it, you know, and that lasted a year, went out of business. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but like. I remember talking to the owner of the Brow House, and he just said, "My my children don't want this restaurant. They don't want it. I'm I'm done. I'm I'm retiring. Um, so you know, that's it. He made his money or whatever you want to say. He made his fortune, and you get to the point where you get you just you're tired. You you want to quit, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, and again to hark back to the guy that sent me the email about me. Yeah, there's going to become a day. There's going to become a day a time where that's it for me. I'm done. You know, I'm no more coaching, no more anything. Um, and everybody does it. It's okay. Everybody retires eventually unless they die on the job. So, um, but I, I, I just feel that the cultures are Chicago's losing out on all these cultures. Cause is, for those of you who don't know, and I know, you know, firsthand Joe, Chicago is cr- tremendously diverse. And, and that's what I miss. I miss the diversity of, you know, the Germans, the Irish, the Polish, the Hispanics, the Italians, the Greeks. Uh, that's another thing. I love Greek food. Um, I just miss, I miss all of that diversity. One of these days, I mean, maybe not in my lifetime, but it, it, it'll, it'll be gone. It'll, 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 it happened to Cleveland. Cleveland's doesn't have the diversity it used to have. Um, and it bothers me, you know, Yeah, it's interesting, like sociological, I, you know, and obviously I'm talking out of, out of my depth here, but just the trends of immigration and what happens, because, you know, as uh, certain communities become second and third generation, they become more Americanized, which I guess is natural and to some degree, you know, welcome. You need to integrate to a certain amount. But, uh, you know, at what point do you lose your, you know, that's the thing with the melting pot is we all kind of melt into to be kind of a one thing. Now, that's 
obviously not true. I mean, obviously there's very, you know, there's a wide range of the American experience and, and culture, um, you know, regionally. And even like you said, within a city, different neighborhoods have different things, but over time, you know, I, you know, one of my good friends, Mark Movag, you know, he's from of Iranian descent and, you know, you can maybe tell by the, his look, but if you were listening to him on the phone, you would not know, you know, he just, he's very much, he grew up here and that's his culture and he still eats and is able to cook some of the traditional foods and things, but I don't know if his kids do at all. You know, I mean, they eat the food, but it's like each generation, it's kind of, um, uh, just kind of starts to blend in a little bit more and more, which is, that's how I guess you adapt and, 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 uh, succeed in a lot of ways, but we do lose out in some of that, uh, uniqueness that the different people through immigration bring, bring to us that we can experience. So it's, it's a trade-off, I think. And, um, uh, you know, hopefully there's new fresh people coming in that can, uh, uh, keep that diversity going and all those, all those things we benefit from. I mean, you think about like the martial arts community. I mean, like you benefited from Polish immigration, right? Polish to the, into the United States. You got to learn catch from a, Polish immigrants, um, you know, and you, uh, how many other people from what different walks of life impacted you, you know, and uh, enriched your life? Well, we were all immigrants at one point in time. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, that's the thing about this country. And, you know, and now there's a lot of hatred for immigrants. And I see it out here and I don't get it because we were pretty much all immigrants at one point in time. I mean, unless you were Native American. Uh, but I don't know. You know, for me, there was the cultural, like Martin said it best this week when I was training him on Zoom. He said, you can, you don't even have to go around the world when you live in Chicago. The world comes to you. And he couldn't be more correct. He's so right. Because Martin's an immigrant. And um, the fact of the matter is, when you're in a city like Cleveland or Chicago or New York, it's not all big cities that are, you know, uh, diverse ethnically, okay? Sure. Uh, right? Or you may have a couple of things. But Cleveland had a vibrant Italian thing, Polish thing, Hungarian. See, that's the thing. Like, Cleveland had more Yugoslavians than any city in America, okay? Meaning Slovenians, Croatians, uh, Serbs, Albanians. Now, of course, Chicago has some of that, but um, not like Cleveland did. Excuse me one second. I'll keep talking. I just got to close something here. Um, but the thing is, uh, when I lived in Cleveland, there was no Mexican thing going on. There was Puerto Ricans on the west side of Cleveland. I lived on the east side. I never had a taco. I never, I never ate American uh, Mexican food ever. Until I moved to Chicago, I'd never been to a Mexican restaurant outside of a Taco Bell, if you can call that Mexican. I know they don't, but <laughs> I never, no, I, so I don't have that. I, I didn't have that. Okay. Um, but Cleveland had, you know, the East side Irish, uh, but uh, German, there was a Hofbrauhaus house not far from where I live. Steve Bensick owned it. I think that's closed now. I think we drove past it off of 55th of St. Clair. Uh but when I came to Chicago, well, Chicago did have some Slovenians on the south, on the south side because I played music for them when I first moved to town. 
I got a lot of jobs on the drums because Cleveland is the Slovenian polka capital of the world. And, oh, you play drums with Frankie Yankovic. You play drums with Joey Miskula and all these people, Jeff Pecan. Yeah, I play drums with all these people. All right. So I got a lot of gigs and I ended up playing with a great guy who, who, who I don't even know if he's alive anymore. He moved many years ago to Vegas, but Roman Pacetti. Okay. Uh, Roman was a recording artist and Roman was, was an old time polka guy. Um, and uh, so I saw some Slovenians, but really I lived up on the North side. I was immersed in the Polish, which was fine. I mean, cause you know, I grew up with a lot of Poles, you know, went to a Polish school, Polish church and shit. Um, and that's fine with me, you know. Uh, and then I started to see the Italians and the, uh, then the Irish. And I actually hung out with more Italians here in Chicago than I did in Cleveland. Okay. And certainly more Irish in Chicago than I did in Cleveland. Um, but of course, I've lived here a lot longer. I lived in Cleveland 23 years. You know, I moved out when I was 23. So, you know, I grew up, if you want to really say, or became a, a full-blown man out here, you know, my my late 20s and 30s and so on in Chicago. But when I go to New York, now New York's got a different, I mean, they there's some general generalizations, but Chicago's, or New York's got a whole different um, uh, ethnic base, I guess you'd say. Yes, the Italians, I get all of that, but I'm just saying there's other packs that we don't have here in Chicago. Just like I don't know of many Hungarians and I don't know a lot of Croatians in Chicago. I really don't. Uh or Albanians even. I'm sure they're here. I just don't know of them. But you no, know, so be it. Yeah, it makes a difference, you know. Um, you know, Sasha's from the West Coast and um she says, you know, the Asian food out there is just superior. You know, at least it was when she was growing up in the 80s and things that she couldn't get that same quality that she could get some here, but not to the level when she was on the West Coast. And um, I've heard that like Indian food in New York is fantastic, that like you can't, it's hard to match that here. Um, but, you know, like our, we, when we had Costa on, um, he was, you know, he's in by Denver and that wasn't, you know, a major city, but. He says, yeah, he can't get Greek food like he used to be able to get in Chicago. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of, a lot of factors playing into different groups. It's, it's kind of very fascinating how, um, I mean, size obviously matters. Obviously, you get to a certain size, you start to just have opportunities for all different kinds of people to come in and, and get work and start lives. Um, so, yeah, transportation, all those things make a difference. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, and again, uh, the, the, uh, the, the big thing for, for, for me, like when you and I went back to Cleveland, um, little Italy was still thriving more so I think than when I lived there, but, uh, not so much anything else. Uh, you know, I, I mean, if I lived in Cleveland, probably within a month, I could find spots, but it isn't like what, what it was, but that one restaurant we went to, what was it? Fanny? No, not Fanny's, uh, uh, Maria's or something. On St. Clair, um, 43rd or 45th in St. Clair for that little home-cooked meal. What a joy that was. The food was so sensational. That's been there since I was young. Um, and, yeah, it was just nice to be able to see it still there and, and to enjoy a home-cooked meal. Uh, I haven't had one of those at a restaurant, an actual home-cooking home type of restaurant. There, I, just, I don't – 
they, it's not out here. You know, I, it's not even possible to find one out here. So, you know, I, that kind of sucks. But that was Slovenian food we had over there. We had Slovenian and Croatian food at that restaurant. Now, I've never been to a Slovenian or Croatian restaurant here in Chicago. I don't know if there is one. You know, so, yeah, I, I hope that somehow these things can thrive or, you know, get revitalized. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully the subsequent generations want to, you know, keep those traditions alive. But you never know. Like you said, a lot of times the next generation wants to move on and do something different. And it's like so many things, unfortunately, uh, time moves on. And uh, that's the trade-off. We lose some things. Yep. Um, Excuse me one second. I have to send an urgent text here. Um, Yeah, but in the end, We'll wrap this up by by basically. But I hear a car horn going off. <laughs> I don't hear it. It's okay. I uh, I wonder if it's my, no, can't be mine. Um, uh, so you know, to wrap it up again, we kind of wax nostalgic today, but it's been a stressful week, as I said. Other things going on too, but the bottom line is, you know, again, try to get CPR training. Um, and just, you know, uh, just, uh, broaden your education and realize, uh, realize that, uh, that life's short, life is very short. And, and we've always said on this podcast until we're blue in the face, don't wait around to train with Tony. If you want to train, start training, you know, join the Tri-C program or sign up for the membership site or buy his videos from his website, do it now. Because again, if people don't, then one day you're going to wake up and it's going to all be gone. Sad, but true. And that's for anything that you're, you know, you you could be wanting to go see somebody in concert and you waited too long and now they're, they're done performing something happened or they just, they quit. Um, But anyway, yeah, that's about it, man. That's about all I can say. I want to thank everybody for being uh, on the podcast and we'll see you next week. I don't know if we'll have a special guest lined up or not, but it don't matter. We got, we'll have topics to cover. So Joe, thanks again, pal. All right. Thank you.